0: All right, KISS Army, you wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes, you're about to be podcast Hello and welcome to your podcast. This is Gary Schaller. And this is James Hager. And we're going to do something uh, that we did once before and um, promised that we would do again. And we got a good response from listeners which is we're going to have a little roundtable discussion with uh, someone who's well-known to the podcast. Ken, want to say a few words?
1: Howdy, hey, it's Ken here.
0: Cool. And listeners know Ken from many interviews he's done and features that he has contributed and, of course, his terrific artwork and graphics for the website. It's 2009, and we wanted to sort of celebrate two things at once, one that happened 30 years ago, the other that hasn't happened yet. Uh, James, tell us about what's going on. Well, right now, as, uh, many of you folks may know,
2: KISS, being Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Tommy Thayer, and Eric Singer, have went into the studio and began recording a brand new record. That's right. If you've been listening to the things we've heard for the last ten years, disregard them, throw them out the window. KISS is back in the studio recording a brand new record to be out, I believe they said, by the end of this year.
0: Right. After all the things we heard from Gene and Paul, uh, you know, that the timing wasn't right and uh, the music industry is going under and whatnot, um, the big surprise came in November, which was hearing that they're going back in the studio. This is really exciting. I really didn't expect that we would get new music from Kiss. What did you guys think?
2: I always held hope that we'd get new music. um, Being a newer fan who'd never experienced a new album, but I never... Truly, honest to God, thought we would get a new record. When did Jugoko Ritsuden come out?
1: Wasn't it last the, November?
2: Al, uh, August 27th August. of 2008.
0: Wow. Okay. So it's been more than half a year, and and to think that you know back when this came out, the three of us did our first roundtable discussion, and I think one of the things that we emphasized a lot was just you know people are people will buy it. People are excited about it. Make new music, please.
1: And we also talked about how hopefully people would buy it, and it might spurn the band to actually record again.
0: So basically, it's uh, we can credit ourselves as the sole reason why Kiss for Yes, of are album. We will take anything good. Yes, that's us. <laughs> so, 2004, Gene puts out a solo album, right? And it's, it, it's released to lukewarm reviews, and... Um, and as per even Gene's admission, it's it doesn't sell terrifically well. Right? Live to win comes out two years later. More positive reviews. Um I don't know about the sales, but there's the solo tour that does very well. And I
2: believe the sales did marginally better, but not I mean nothing to write home about.
0: Right. And um and the tour was a big hit and you know, Groovy D V D came out afterwards and everyone was really psyched, um including Gene and Paul. Then we have, uh, I think, some comments made in maybe 06 or 07 by Paul saying, um, you know, if there's ever a new KISS record, the, the stipulation will be that I will, be, I will have complete creative control. Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So November of 2008 rolls around, KISS are going back in the studio, and it is made known to all that Paul will be producing. Gene says this, Paul says this, this is, this is how it's going to be. Fast forward to 2009... March, already rumors are flying around the internet and the message boards that Gene is not involved enough with this record. Ken, what do you think?
1: Well, I think that Gene does something that a lot of people are going to freak out when I say this, but I think sometimes people don't like it when Gene tells the truth. I think that he says pretty much from the hip, sometimes without thinking, and uh, <laughs> he pretty much tells people that this is not the end of the world, that it'll come out when it's ready to come out, when, they're, when it's done, and he completely supports paul and his production and uh people don't like that you know i'm not exactly sure what they want to hear but it just seemed like gene can say nothing right but <laughs> uh both him and paul have talked about how things are going and uh we're going to hear a little bit later exactly how things are going from uh, keith larue from kol and uh i'm very excited and and i just really think gene can't uh, win for losing on this one
2: at various points in the band's history He's not always played bass on every song. He's not, you know, it's never been like that. But, you know, Animalize, Asylum, you know, even I think it was uh, Creatures of the Night where he didn't play bass on the title Correct. track. Creatures of the Night. Um, the song Shandy didn't have anyone but Paul Stanley. Correct. On the song, and these these albums and these songs, they are always still, you know, loved by their fans, and people, like Ken said, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear that. Gene might not be completely 100% of, you know involved in whatever, whatever time, but I think as a fan, I have faith, and I think the Kiss Army, for the most part, has faith that we'll be getting a very Kiss record when this thing
0: drops. Yeah, I think so too, and, and I think that um, you know, anyone who's been in a band and been in the studio can attest to this. When you have two guitarists and a bass player, and the guitarists happen to write songs, like Paul writes songs, um, s- sometimes it's actually just easier for the guitarist who wrote the song to do the bass part rather than teaching it to the bass player. I mean, bands don't. I mean, especially bands that have been a- around for thirty-five years or whatever. Um, they know what they're doing, and they don't always go in the studio and sort of like, "Hey, let's knock some stuff around and jam," and you know, we'll see what we come up with. That's never been Kiss. You know, that's really not how Kiss does things. They write songs; they're very tightly uh, arranged, and I mean, going as far back as what? I, 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 unless I'm mistaken, Mr. Speed does not have Gene Simmons on bass.
1: I believe you're correct. I don't
0: think so, right? And, and it's like you said, you know, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's just—I think everyone would agree that that's a pretty beloved, excellent Kiss track. classic, one of the best. Yeah, it's one one of my favorites from that record, if not my favorite. Yeah, it's a great song, um, and and also, I mean, I think it's just too early for people to be, you know, tossing around rumors of who is and who isn't involved. Also, like you know like ken you were saying that gene can't win um you know in the past anytime he's hyped hyped hype anything um you know or bragged about whatever or talked about you know um yes we've been in the studio you know 29 we're hours going a to make day the best and, record
1: of all time time right, will stop our, when you put this cd in
0: yeah 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 hot in the shades the new <laughs> it's display. already I mean, shipped you know. 10 million <laughs> I think the less he says, the the better. And I and I I also respect Paul for being. I, I'm really excited about the kind of mystery around this record. I, I I feel like I don't want to know a whole lot of stuff until it just comes out in stores. I I agree.
1: Back in the '80s, it was really cool to be a Kiss fan because, well, face it, I was like kind of twelve, thirteen, fourteen when the when when I first got into Kiss. So, I pretty much accepted everything that that came out. If 16 Magazine or Cream said it. It was the gospel. Right. Uh, and, and we didn't, there was no internet, there was nothing, you know. We found out Love Gun was pretty much going to be called Love Gun about the day it came out. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Uh, maybe it, it might have got mentioned on the radio once. But it wasn't this thing like the internet that's that's just out there. But like in the 80s, we would actually, as fans, uh, mimeograph or, or Xerox, little... Uh, stories about what was coming and what was happening. If someone found some information, they'd you, you'd, you'd actually go to the public library, Xerox it, and send it to like three or four people. Wow. <laughs> and that was how we found out things about Animal Eyes or, or whatever, because it was faster than the rock press at the time.
0: It's always impressive to think of what they did before the internet in terms of fans getting together and communicating with one another. I, I couldn't imagine doing, I mean, we couldn't do what we're doing without the internet. Exactly. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, what I want to do is I wanted to talk about two records. So the one that I wanted to talk about that everyone's very familiar with is Dynasty. It was 30 years ago this year that Dynasty came out. Um, They had just done their solo albums. There were a lot of rumors circulating about, um, you know, good things and bad things going on inside the Kiss Camp. And um, it was a long-awaited album, not because it had been 10 years like this one is going to be, but because it had felt like 10 years, I imagine, Ken, is that right?
1: Yeah, it it really did. And even though we had things like Kiss Meets a Fam of the Park, the solo albums, uh, Double Platinum, and Alive 2, it was a very long time for us at that point between Love Gun and Dynasty. Right. And uh, it was quite a shock when Dynasty finally dropped in all of its Technicolor glory. And <laughs> it was very strange. And... Uh, when when I heard it, it it sounded like the four solo albums continued. Right. And it was it was kind of bizarre. It didn't well, seem like a cohesive record.
0: It clearly it was something that you had been looking forward to at the time. And that brings us sort of you know, up to the current time, sort of the return of the return of KISS. And, Ferk, this is a really, I think, important record for you. It is your first new KISS studio album of brand new material since you became a KISS fan.
2: It is. uh, Like I've told many times before, I became a fan in October of 1998, which, as many of you know, is not very long after Psycho Circus came out. As a matter of fact, when I went and bought my first album, which was Psycho Circus on cassette, they still had it displayed as, like, a featured item, and, um, uh, but I didn't have the anticipation, um, I, you know, throughout the years I've had things that I've anticipated, my first being, um, the original Alive 4, right? but it never came out, you know, until many, many years later, I was really looking forward to that record, it was my life at the time, you know, and I would be on Kiss Online every day, And that nothing ever came. Um, And then, you know, as I got older, I was a big KISS fan, but I didn't... I wasn't a big internet person at that point. And I had no idea that KISS had played with the symphony. Oh, wow. Until I go go into a store and I see KISS Alive 4 with the symphony.
0: See, that's really cool. I'm I'm really glad that, you know, even though it was older material, and even though, um, you know, it was a really short-lived lineup, I'm really glad that you've had the experience, James, of going into a store without knowing that Kiss had done something, and then you get this new product. That's, and especially if it's a live album, I think that's a really cool record. I'm really glad you had. Oh, that it was experience. amazing. What's that?
2: It was amazing. I, it was. It was uh, like I went and went back home, and I I got my my shoebox <laughs> out and counted my money to see if I had enough, and then I went back and and bought a live uh, a live four with the symphony. And I went to my buddy Dave's basement. We put it on. And I I spend the record and.
0: That's one of the things that 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 the internet has kind of taken away from us is the element of surprise which is why i'm glad that they're kind of being hush-hush about this record i really i it's I, I, I spoil records for myself all the time i spoil movies that i care about all the time i'm i'm really going to try and not spoil this album
1: but let's be honest will you I don't think so. Well, like, let me put it this way. Let's say that Kiss Online puts up something. Like, let's say that they put up, and here's four minutes of the album and, like, ten tracks cut up over four minutes.
0: Yes, I'll do that, and I'll tell you why. Okay? That I'll do, because. One of my, An album that is near and dear to my heart is Kiss Alive 3. Okay. Um, and it's near and dear to my heart because the very first tour that I saw Kiss on, and I'd been a fan already for quite some time, but the very first Kiss concert that I attended was 1992 on the Revenge tour. Wonderful, wonderful concert. And Alive 3 was like my souvenir of, of seeing them for the first time. And when Alive 3 came out, there was a three-song maybe four three song sampler that came out that I still have a digipack with, I love it loud creatures and deuce. And I played the heck out of that. It was three songs and I was anticipating that record like mad. And I played the heck out of that. So I don't mind, you know, if it's a little bit here and there, but I mean, if, if this thing shows up on the internet, I I'm going to have to, I'm really going to have to not spoil it. I really want that. I mean, this may be, I mean, guys, you know, this may be the last new kiss record, right? Right.
2: It, uh, I would venture to say it probably will be. And it's like when Paul Stanley, when uh, Live to Win, as we all know, leaked to the internet a good week, week and a half before the record dropped. uh, You know, I I listened to it. I spoiled it, you know, and listened to the record. And I went again on day of release, you know, and was excited, bought it, put the CD in, and it was like there was nothing there. There was was nothing new there. I already heard it. And also,
0: I mean paul recently was quoted as saying that he is thinking about you know kiss would release this on vinyl as well as cd excellent because the the packaging on vinyl is always more impressive it's bigger it's it's louder it's raunchier it's more rocking whatever um i want that i don't know if i'm going to be able to get that but i want to take home a new kiss record
1: i don't even care if they put a cd in the damn thing and release it like that Jeff had a great idea. Just put it on CD or in a little MP3 flash drive, however you want to buy it. Here's your options, or, and you can still get the big kick-ass cover with the poster. That's cool. That was that was Jeff Guthrow's love, idea, everyone.
0: Excellent. I would
2: like to see Kiss with the new record. I really want to see them go. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Journey, their uh, newer record, Revelations. They Yes. Did. Um, yeah. I think, I think KISS is best option at this point, as is any band's best option, particularly a classic band. You put it out through Walmart, and then do like Journey did, man. You can do the first disc, the brand new KISS record. The second disc, have it be the Jigoku Retsuden mm-hmm. or whatever. And then disc three could be a show off of the recent Alive
0: yeah. 35 tour, you know, a DVD. Because you know that'd they've absolutely fantastic. Done, you
1: know? That's my dream I, package right there.
0: That'd be great. I don't know what this thing is going to sell. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine a Kiss record that doesn't go gold. I don't to be honest.
2: I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and his favorite band is Aerosmith, and they're getting ready to put out a new record as well. And we were talking about you know possible sales numbers for uh, you know each band. I don't care as long as the new Kiss record sells one album. Yeah, and that's to me, right? Mine. I <laughs> couldn't care less what what it sells. <laughs> I mean, that's just yep. As long as they tour.
1: As long as they tour.
0: I so want you to
2: see them, James. Me too, bro. I want them to see it too, and I have an idea for the new tour, and I'm gonna debut this idea right here on podcast.
0: All right, Gene and Paul, and if you're listening, you know, get ready. This listen m- to this
2: idea, Gene. This is a business idea, but buddy, I don't want you to invest in me. You can have it. This is all yours. Right. Okay. A few years ago, I went and I saw Def Leppard live. Right. Which, okay. Everybody laugh. Go ahead. Okay. Great band. I enjoyed it. Good
1: band. Yeah. Very. They good.
2: had a. Sc- they had a screen in the back. And unlike Kiss, you know, Kiss mainly shows the band. Here and there, they'll show some little videos like the planes during War Machine or whatever. But for the most part, it's just the band. On this screen, Def Leppard showed through the entire show different videos that they made for each song. Kind of like the little mini-screens during the Rock the Nation tour. Mm -hmm. Okay? Imagine the new Kiss logo for the new tour being made out of an LCD screen. And like during you know Gene's bass solo, it can have like it could be green with like smoke. Going okay, so through.
0: you're saying that each letter is hollow and is a giant screen.
2: Yeah, even during certain songs, you can have it look like lights, or even outline it in light bulbs. That way, you can have the old school flashing, say during Detroit Rock City or whatever.
0: I think the I think that's a really cool idea. I like anything that involves the logo being huge. I think the Big Kiss logo is really awesome.
1: Exactly. I think I think that your idea is great, and it would uh, allow them to do anything, basically.
0: Yes.
2: Well, like during Paul's little thing for Black Diamond, they could put like a, a rose up through it, or like when uh, Tommy's doing his solo, they could do a rocket ship flying around on it, and,
1: and make it as whatever. big I mean, as the Asylum logo. Ah, oh, yeah, that thing was yeah, huge. Absolutely. Or they
2: could even uh, they can even have screens. I mean, I I'm not saying that's why they need to you know dump the regular screens, but I think that either with the upcoming tour, for my taste, they should either completely revamp the logo and do something new. Or go back to the old-style logo, mm-hmm. like the, the Love Gun logo. You know, the one that you used from, from was it, Destroyer on through... Right, so keep the logo
1: and make it interactive, basically. Make it come alive.
0: Like, I like the idea of um, maybe having the screens do landscapes. Like, I know we're getting a little off artsy oh, well getting a little artsy here but like ken you've talked about how cool the destroyer stage was because it was thematic you know like gene, yeah. gene had his castle and ace had like the kind of space section of the stage and whatnot mm-hmm. um you know and, and I, I you know like james was saying like during tommy solo have like a, you know, like the moon you know like the surface of the moon behind him
2: well, it's like uh, it's always been when, when i was younger even if you look at 70s bands or even back in the mid 90s and stuff kiss stage was always the big stage That was always where the big boys play. You know, it was always this huge thing. But, you know, in 2009, it doesn't look like that anymore. And Kiss, and, and, you know, in terms of bombast and in terms of pure just show, you know, arguably they're the biggest band in the world. In terms of just, you know, on-stage antics. And I think that their stage should really, really reflect that.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think it's because... Uh, kiss ran out of gas in that department or did everyone else catch up
2: i think what happened was kiss got to a place particularly when the reunion tour started and even more so after the farewell farewell tour ended it's just kiss i don't know if they ran out of gas or they just stopped growing it's like they it it became you know they had all these stage gimmicks that were ahead of the curve you Mm -hmm. know paul flying out to the audience and you know, Gene flying up to the truss and saying God of Thunder, this great stuff. But what's happened is KISS stopped.
1: Yeah, well let me put it this way, uh, another way of phrasing that is that often people complain about uh the Kiss Show. But technically the KISS show hasn't evolved really since the seventies. It's pretty much always been the same thing. If you see them in 75, it's the same thing in 77, it's the same thing in 80, it's just slightly different colors, different uniforms, or without makeup, it's, it's pretty much the same show.
0: There are three exceptions.
1: Okay, and what are they?
0: Well, you guys know, come on, what, are the, what, would, what would you say would be the three exceptions to that?
1: You, you've you always got to have the logo.
0: Sure, no, but three exceptions meaning three stages that were markedly different from the usual. Oh, Okay. Of the animal or the asylum mm,
1: tour?
0: Yeah, maybe. F- okay, so we'll make it three and a half. I, I'll, I'll count that. <laughs> no, but there is... Creature, are th- creatures. <laughs> of one, very the tank good. for sure. Okay, hot in the shade. Two, and revenge. Three. Yeah. Right. Bingo. Beca-
1: because the, be- check out the big brain on Fark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me tell you what, boys. I've been eating my Wheaties. <laughs> there
0: you go. Nice. Nice brain food.
1: Managed to work little Samuel Jackson into this thing.
0: There you go. Right. Right. Um, so let's go. Let's let's go back thirty years, okay? And Ken, you're gonna you're gonna really be the guy we're leaning on here because
2: yeah, because I'm not born yet. Right,
0: okay. and I was three.
1: <laughs> so right. you have
0: a you have an inkling and an infant. Uh, but you were how old?
1: Well, I was born in 1963, so that'll give you some idea. All right, I'm I'm giving away my age. There you go. Uh, yes, I'm an official old bastard. <laughs> uh, you know the 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 thing about Kiss records. Uh, it was really strange because when I first got into the band, Dress to Kill, Alive, then Destroyer came out, and, and you guys all know the chronology and everything. But it always seemed like there was a like a Kiss record every every six months. Right. There was real no big wait, but it seemed like it took. As long as the last ten years did.
0: Even even between like um, like rock and roll. The rock over and all go- over and Love Gun.
1: Wow. Yes, I mean I can remember reading the Kiss comic book, listening to the Destroyer album, and there's the ad, you know, for the albums, and it's like, oh come on, come on, come on, <laughs> but it it was really strange because not only not only did you have, uh, you know, the first three albums uh, uh, alive, and then you have the originals which I got for uh, a birthday present. Cool. And it, it, there was always something. And uh, then then there'd be the KISS Army kitten there. And my brother and I, we actually uh, put together our money and came up with the whole $5 to join the KISS Army. Nice. And you got the uh, poster and the 8x10s, and we split the 8x10s. You uh, took my, Ace my, my...
0: and... Gene. I got Ace and Gene. I knew it. Um,
1: I didn't want Gene at the time. Gene actually kind of scared me. I was an Ace guy, and, and Gene kind of scared me. He was always the one I wasn't quite sure about. Yeah, like the rest of them all look like humans. Right. Gene at times just something's going on there, <laughs> <laughs> and and then it's weird. I'd like I'd like see him on like uh, a, a TV show, like they would have all these afternoon shows at like five o'clock. Right. And uh, it'd be like uh, the afternoon exchange with, you know, Fred and Wilma douchebag or whatever. Just <laughs> these people, <laughs> you know, and they'd always get, like, some local FM DJ to, to interview people. And, like, Denny Sanders of WMMS interviewed Gene. And it was the first time that we really heard his voice, cause, and th- where he went on for, like, eight minutes. Because uh... it was always something that happened really fast, or you'd like turn on a TV and they would go, and here's Gene Simmons a kiss and it was like, <laughs> you know, because he he sh- he should have sounded like he looked. Right. But then it, he would he'd start talking about like I've always been into comic books and blah and it's like <laughs> he sounds like a professor. Or <laughs> where's the where's the demon guy? When, when does he come out? You know. But it was always weird. And, you know, other than, like, Ace's monkey sound on the radio occasionally, that's about all you <laughs> heard, you know. It, it, we didn't have the access that everybody thought that we had back then. Right. You know, there was no MTV, no no Internet, and so on and so forth. But there was always something in production, something always happening. Right. And um, I just thought for sure that Dynasty, the return of Kiss, was going to be the pickup right from side four of Alive 2. They were going to pick right up on that. Right. And I remember telling everybody, oh, sure, you guys are bad mouth and kiss, but you just wait. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we were talking about would you ruin the next album when it comes out? Well, the radio station would play a track like a week before the album came out. And we'd like record it on cassettes and stuff like that. And uh, everybody flipped out with I Was Made For Loving You.
0: And when you say flipped out, uh, qualify that. It's not a positive Okay,
1: on thing. WMMS, the big rock station, um, they said uh, basically, Hey, kitties, we're going to play the new Kiss track for you. And it's going to be something you're, you may not like. It's, it's a disco album. It's Kisco, if you will. And I was sitting there going, "This is some cruel joke." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the DJ said, "So let us know what you think about it." And which is my official imitating—I was made. For that was very good. Baseline, and uh, I just sat there stunned. And my mother listened to it, and she's like, "Oh well, that sounds nice." And I just wanted to punch her. <laughs> KISS songs weren't <laughs> nice, except for Beth, but that was different, right. you know. And uh, it was very strange. And uh, as just as the song was ending, the phone started ringing. The uh, the the uh, actual folks that were in the Kiss Army, who were kind of like, uh,
0: "Yeah, this is gonna be so fantastic.
1: Let's check this out." And then, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> Then you got... I actually got calls from, like, guys that were on the football team. It's like, yeah, I told you, KISS sucks. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. And it was, like, ten minutes of phone calls. It was just one after another.
0: Well, let me tell you something. Seven years later, right, I was in fifth grade. And uh, I I was already a KISS fan. I, I had a bunch of their records. And mason goldberg knew i was a kiss fan and he asked me if i had dynasty and i said no and he said well that's the one record we have my brother will make a copy of it for you on cassette i said great thanks so he brought in a copy of dynasty for me it had eight songs on it (laughs) okay right and the reason it had eight songs because as mason explained to me as he handed me the cassette no cover no anything it was just like a dingy old blank cassette that probably had a bunch of other stuff on it first right yeah but he hands me the cassette and he goes yeah my brother left off the first track it sucks so wow <laughs> yeah for for a couple <laughs> years there a few years i should say my copy of dynasty was a dingy old cassette from mason goldberg that started with 2000 man which is a pretty kick-ass way to begin a record but wow yeah i didn't hear i was made for loving you until i bought uh, killers a few years later
1: does it sound weird to listen to the D- dynasty and it's
0: Proper, no, not anymore. Release. I mean, it's just been so many times, you know. But, but the
1: first time you heard
0: it like that, I think so. Yeah, probably, probably. But you see, and and this may speak to just the way that record is, right? Even then, I, it, I list. I brought it home. I loved Two Thousand Man, and I really dug Gene's songs. And I loved, I loved all of Ace's songs best. Uh, you know, I mean, and let's face it, there's a reason for that. Um, you know, Two Thousand Man rocks. Uh Hard Times rocks. Save Your Love, one of the best kiss songs ever. Really? And oh, I love that song.
2: Really? I think I like Hard Times better.
0: It, they're both I mean it's six of one half a dozen of the other. It, super great songs. And but then I didn't really listen to the record a lot. So I didn't have time to like or dislike it. It just I didn't bother with it. But I had eight songs on my copy of Dynasty. <laughs>
2: Actually, hold on. Hold on a second. It's funny funny you say that, and I don't mean to stop the flow of things, but you said that your first, now that I'm remembering here, this is just my brain coming back into, into place, my first copy of Dynasty, and also my first copy of Destroyer, which were my, I guess you'd say my second and third Kiss records, were recorded off a CD onto a dingy old cassette, and they both had songs missing. Wow. Huh. That quote-unquote sucked.
1: This is why um, bootlegging is no good, boys and girls. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You, you buy it yourself, kids.
2: This, uh, like, I believe my copy of Dynasty may have had five songs on it. <laughs> I, I know, I know it didn't have Dirty Living. Oh. Uh, charisma.
0: Blasphemy.
2: It didn't have Charisma. I don't think it had X-Ray Eyes or Save Your Love. Wow. Um, and, uh... I still absolutely just adored that record, and uh, yeah. also Destroyer. Destroyer, I think the only ones it didn't have was uh, Great Expectations and uh, Sweet Pain.
0: Wow! Can you imagine Destroyer in any other order with any omissions?
2: Yeah, not now. No way,
0: not me. No way, no,
1: no way, no way. But I just fantastic it a record. A little bit. Amazing.
0: Yeah. So, w- do you you guys want to go track by track on Dynasty? Sure just really quickly? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, uh, you know, we already talked about like the controversy of the disco single, right?
1: I love it now. Uh, it's really strange. At the time, you got to understand the Bee Gees were the enemy. Uh, they, they, they wrote some great stuff, though, looking back now. Oh, yeah. But at the time, it was basically Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Alice Cooper, Kiss, everything else... Not good. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and uh you know, if, if I would have been caught with a village people or a uh BG's album, they would have drugged me out into the street and left me for dead. <laughs> so we could not we could not do that. Right. You know. Let me put it this way. Any Am I was in, man, you couldn't have like staying alive coming out of. Right. We had to have, like, Blue Oyster Co- Cult's Godzilla or something like
0: that. Well, you, that's a great song, but that's another it's that's Godzilla, another podcast.
1: Godzilla, Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now, it kicks ass.
0: I'm sorry, I just have to tell you this story. You're talking about, like, songs coming out of cars. Uh, my friend Dave once accidentally locked himself out of his car in Harlem with um, Sweet Caroline blasting out of it.
2: Bum, <laughs> 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 uh, bum, bum. Yeah, bum. yeah exactly.
0: He survived, but you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I I think I was made for loving you is a fantastic song. Love the solo in it. It's, uh, yeah, me too.
2: I think my favorite version though is actually on a live three. I like the way that Bruce. I like the the heavier rhythm a little bit on there. You know, it just feels more like a rock song. Now I don't have any problem at all with the original track. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the re-recording as well, actually. Right. But uh, I, you know, I don't have a problem with. I actually think that. Gene and the Eric Singer sing the, the harmony parts on that song extremely well. They,
0: they sound good. In
2: the current lineup. Yeah.
0: it's a, I, I like it. it. A, I mean, it's a great song. I think that, um, well, I, you know, I, I've talked to you guys about this before. I, I have a real fondness for all the Vinnie Poncia Kiss stuff. Yeah. I think the the pop stuff really <coughs> stands out. And I, in spite of that one song, I really don't think of Dynasty as a disco record. Me either. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's now, you know. Looking looking back on it, you, you can see it for what it is.
0: It seems like every band was doing a little disco, right? Pink Floyd. Had well, yeah,
1: Rolling Stones. Yeah, right. Rod yeah. Stewart. Right. But not Kiss. <laughs> but you know what?
0: How about Black Sabbath? All moving parts stand still. There I mean, you it's go. not a disco track, but it has right. that, you know, bass line. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But on the other hand. It took a lot of balls to do that, I think. Even though they were, you know, kind of doing like the Rolling Stones had done it at that point, right. but still, their their fan base was uh, one way, and and they they actually kind of uh, went against the curve for their fan base. Now, now hang, hang on, I, I got to interrupt that.
0: I, I got to interrupt for a second because this is something we have not played or talked about on podcast yet, but I want to throw this in there. Um, it's you know ace has said I hate disco I hated disco and that he was against it and everything else but ace was involved in disco outside of KISS does everyone yes, know what I'm talking was. about
1: uh, uh, uh,
0: my name is Eugene right so here's was it crazy Joe mm-hmm. and the variable speed band and this is Ace Frehley uh, providing the eccentric and uh, lovable voice of that misfit Eugene
1: Uh, My name is uh, Eugene I'm a cool dude in a loose mood
2: said, you know, I ain't gonna make it much longer. you stop right uh, Hey, get off my case?
0: I think it's a great song. <laughs> but I like disco and I like Ace, so I'm biased. 2,000 Man, what do you guys think? Hills to the end. 2,000 L. Man.
1: um, Better than the Stones version. I like it much better than that.
0: Me too. Me too.
2: Oh, yeah. One of the uh, one songs in the world, I can think of very few others. Uh, one being, for me, Metallica's version of Turn the Page. And uh, also uh, Johnny Cash's take on Nine Inch Nails' song Hurt. 2000 man really this surpasses the original.
0: I agree, it's if great. Ace Fraley, it's so great, and I and I will say this. Maybe you guys will disagree, but I think that um, I don't think it works that well live. I think the one exception was uh, the unplugged show because of all the history with there.
2: The unplugged show was amazing. I never liked the, when Kiss did it live. I always thought it sounded kind of flat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I thought when when I saw Ace do it in, in Cincinnati on the last tour. That oh, was great. I think particularly the backing vocals of the rest of the guys in the band really worked well with the song. Yeah,
0: he, co- he he cooks when he plays it solo. With Kiss, it just doesn't seem to pop the way that it does on the record. Right.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not a, a real Kiss track.
0: Oh, yeah, right. Do you know why? Has, yeah, it's only got Ace on it, right?
1: Well, no, because that's not Gene on bass.
0: Right, oh, yeah, then it can't really be a Kiss song. That's right, didn't, I forgot didn't the we rules. did you hear that? I forgot the rules. The rules say, yeah.
1: the rules say that. <laughs>
0: Up next, Sure um, Know Something. Sure Know Something. What a fantastic song. Yep.
2: I'm going to agree with a, a guy from Message Board past. I'm not going to say any names, but many of you will, will, will know yes. and remember this, this gentleman. Um, but I think that Paul's had it wrong all these years when he says that the only way you can play Sure Know Something live is acoustically. Oh no! I would like to hear, I'll almost, almost quote word for word, a proper, full electric hard rock version I'm
1: a proper electric version
0: Yeah I a legitimate Yes a legitimate electric version
2: a legitimate Yeah with with plenty of simplicity. That's, that's kind of Countab- like an
1: inside joke yeah well yeah, yeah. paul if you're listening what we're saying is we would all love to hear you guys jam out this tune on the next tour
0: oh it would rock yeah Absolutely. it would be excellent it would be excellent and
1: that's paul stanley on guitar by the way
0: on lead guitar on lead paul yes. stanley and and uh and uh, what a good guitar solo it is i've always thought paul was an underrated lead guitarist
1: i think so too yeah i think it's very tasteful. Yeah. Tasteful and tasty. How's yeah, that? very
0: melodic, great choice of notes, great phrasing, great tone. I don't think it could have been that yeah. any better.
1: As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb here. As much as I've went on in the past and said that Dynasty was a big shock to my system, yeah. I Was Made for Loving You, Sure Know Something, and Shandy are three of the best pieces of pure pop music mm-hmm. that I've ever heard. Make I, it for an add, Make it for I an ad tomorrow. You. All right, I'll do that. Yes, yes, with yes. all the clappy claps in yeah. it. Oh, fantastic.
2: Sh- Shandy to this day, if I hear a a, a pro, you know, a good copy of Shandy from the convention tour, which we I believe we played on the last show, that it still to this day will give well, me sh- wanna,
1: I'm going to ruin my uh man card here. I often cry when Shandy is played.
0: The one the one moment that got it's me beautiful. to just like that was if you watch the Symphony show uh during this during the second chorus i think it is for shandy you see people in the audience just singing along and having a great time yeah there are these t- few chicks who are just like swaying together having a wonderful time and maybe it's because of the meaning that that song has in australia but there's something very very powerful about that tune yeah but that's th- but but that's next year isn't it yes yeah, we got to we I, you know and that's going to be boy i'm going to be psyched for that! Oh, one we're I talking love that about record, Shandy. But but,
2: uh, the, uh, you were talking about the symphony show. My favorite thing is on the um, the audience version. The you know tape from the audience at the actual show. I love how Paul begins that with "Here comes the sun." Oh, it's yeah. great! Excellent. That's great! Yeah, yeah. yeah. We Peter played that on the last podcast.
0: Yeah. We yeah, we played that on, on the uh, Australia for those of you who haven't heard the podcast number fourteen. I guess it is. We played that snippet, and it's it's great. I love that one. Yeah, and fantastic. it's just great
2: how Peter, without skipping a beat, you know, just do do you know.
0: You know what else I think was cool about that is, um, it, I, I thought it was neat seeing Peter play uh, "Sure know Something." Yeah, yeah. Yes. It was, it was almost like it, like the circle was complete. Like he actually played it finally. That and yep, Shandy yep. too. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, It was great. You know, and so I think he did a great job. You know, I think he gets a lot of flack sometimes from. His performance on a few songs on that, that show... I have I no complaints. I think great. No. Even on Forever, I think he did great on it as well.
0: Absolutely. No complaints here. I and speaking agree. of Peter... Yes, Dirty
1: Living. Um, that's a song I did not like for the longest time. But at this point, it's, it's become like one of my four favorite songs off the album.
0: We're done with Side One of Dynasty. We've talked about all the tracks on Side One of Dynasty. And... We're going to now listen to something that's very cool that um, hopefully listeners will enjoy. This is some of the audio from the rehearsals and writing and recording sessions for the Dynasty album. And you're going to hear some really cool things here. You're going to hear the band working on Sure Know Something, I Was Made for Loving You and Dirty Living." And in fact, contrary to you know everything that we think of and we know about the Dynasty album, that it was this disjointed effort and that... Um, you know, Ace wasn't really involved uh, w- with other tracks and Peter was only involved with his track. You will hear Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter together in the studio with Vinny Poncia working on these three tracks. You gotta
1: understand that because you have very
2: set ideas and you, you jump on them, it and makes it hard for somebody else's song it is. you may hate me know. for it, but I wouldn't do it to and you. When, when, to no, you're saying, you know, when it's your song, I'll stick you get to, Hit it right now! That's what, what we said at the meeting. I said when it comes to his song, I'm going to listen to what he wants. Song, he
1: okay. I'm ready for it? I'm ready right now. Hey!
2: Chino! talking about the bass? No! <laughs> no!
1: It will ruin it. The song's great. We've
2: got, it's got it. It's like simple. I am doing eight. How do you like that? I'm already doing eight on the high high. Then i go, okay, Gino, i gotta talk, or else I won't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's called talking. That's sounds communication. I hear you.
1: I tell you, Peter, come in with a hi-hat. Because right now we need you to keep time, so we can get this right. When we get this right, then you can have your center stage. Can I say something about "Dirty Living" real quick? If if that song would have lasted, like let's say, to the time that Miami Vice, the TV show, would have came out. Oh yeah. And uh, even if that version would have found its way on that soundtrack, it could have been a hit. Oh yeah.
2: I th- I think "Dirty Living" could have been a hit. I've heard it said before, but it makes a lot of sense. If KISS would have released Dirty Living to, instead of rock radio, if they'd released it to R&B radio, some of the more African-American based stations and stuff, it, it could have been a hit and kind of in the same vein that another one by the There you the go.
0: Dust. You're right. All right, so now we're on side two of Dynasty. Right? Kicking it off Charisma. is Gene's first... Uh, of two vocals on this album, right? It's really weird to have a Kiss record where Gene has no songs on side one, but we get Charisma. What do you guys think of Charisma?
2: I don't care for it.
1: I don't like the rhyme scheme. I think it's... What is my Charisma? You know, I just... It's kind of cheesy. It's
2: alright. If I'm listening to, like, say, a Kiss mix I put together or a playlist on my computer, it's not going to be one of the songs. I mean it's it's good, it's a decent album track, but
1: the I think one it's thing one of I the love about the it though
0: is the guitar solo. It's great.
1: Oh my god, it's it's, good it's solo. like heaven
0: opening up. It's really good. It's like I a love the whole song machine. I think it's I think it's cheesy, I think it's cheeky, I think it's funny. It's Gene doing a kind of vocal style that uh we don't hear on a lot of this stuff. I mean I guess he did it on Living in Sin, right?
2: If I'm not mistaken, didn't they actually mm. lip sync to this song down in the... Was well, it Mexico or or somewhere?
1: Yeah, in the in the elder in the yeah, elder, in the elder costumes. costumes.
0: That's a really cool clip. It's them with the elder costume with Eric uh, Carr on the drums doing "Charisma" and "I Was Made for Loving You."
1: Ace Ace and Eric look very lost in that clip. They sure way. do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> although although to Ace's credit, I, I will say this: like he's always done a very good job of aping. You know, for for. Uh, Lip sync performances of aping guitar solos, even ones he didn't actually play on.
1: Well, I love how he like kind of does that spin where he like he starts at one edge of the stage. Right. When when he whenever, whenever Ace doesn't know what he's doing in a video or a, <laughs> a, a television performance, he like turns his back and then like does this thing where he rolls kind of. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do I do. How, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. he's like facing the drums and facing the audience, facing the drums. But it's almost like, you can't see, I'm not
0: playing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, Charisma is, uh, to me, it sounds like a reworked version of um, Simple Type. I can see that. I can hear that. The Wicked Lester song. Mm -hmm. When they did the convention tour, they played a bit of Charisma, and then then Gene talked about Simple Type. Let me see. I'll see if I can find that clip.
1: Know it First. First. Is it my fortune? Oh my faith. <laughs> Is it my personal sex?
2: Yeah. Simple (laughs) Type. See, we don't remember it. You guys get to watch us rehearse. How do you like it? See, there was a song called Simple Type that was rewritten that became Charisma.
0: And here is the original Wicked Lester song, Simple Type. Magic Touch. What can you say? Great song, favorite, excellent song.
2: Favorite song on the record. Really? Absolutely. When the uh, when Paul did the started the Live to Win tour, and uh, the set list hit the internet, and I saw that my favorite song from Lick It Up being a million to one, and then my favorite song from Dynasty being Magic Touch, were both played. I just it was religious for me to read that uh, that cassette, like I said, that had just about the five songs on there. I listened to them all, and then I got to Magic Touch, and I would listen to that song, rewind it, listen to that song, rewind it, to the point to where eventually my cassette player ate the cassette. Wow! From listening to that one song.
0: Well, you know what it is? It's a really good song where Paul gets to do a lot of like kind of trademark Paul stuff. You get the falsetto voice, but it rocks so hard. The guitars are just crunchy as hell. Yeah, great song. Okay, how psyched were you to hear that live on Ace's tour?
2: Oh, I was, oh, amazing. The best part, one of the best parts of Ace's tour is on the verses, man, when he would just sing the song, he would just stand there just just as confident and throw out picks as he was singing it. Oh, Loved it's great. it great. Loved it.
0: Yeah, Loved it. he looked and sounded so cool last year. Um, he, you
2: know, broke out the whistle, that was just awesome.
0: Oh, it was great. <laughs> Maybe it's also because I'm I'm from the Bronx, and I know what he's singing about. I mean, I can visualize particular parks and sidewalks and, and neighborhoods, you know, that where he did, you know, go to school, cut out, go to the park, you know, I mean, that's... Spaces that's, head out. Spaces head out. That's where I grew up, and, and, and for me... I love me, that lyric. Oh, it's great. You know, I, that takes me home every time I hear that song. So, uh, from one Bronx boy to another, thank you, Ace, for, you know, one of my favorite New York songs. And now we're back to Gene with his second of two contributions to the record. X ray eyes, what do you guys think?
2: I really don't care for it though. The
0: force
1: is not strong
0: with Gene on this album. One of Gene's
1: weakest hmm. records. I feel he redeemed himself on Unmasked.
0: Oh yeah, and how? And then and then the two subsequent albums thereafter.
1: Now now keep in mind that if if these tracks were added to his solo seventy eight album. They'd be fine. But for some reason, within the context of Kiss, they just don't work for me.
0: I think the one person who would agree most strongly with that is probably
2: Gene. Sure. It's kind of... I think this is also some of the same stuff we're talking about here. You know, Charisma and X-Ray Eyes not necessarily working very well inside the the Dynasty record. I think that's a lot of the same um, concerns people are having about the new record.
0: But here's... But here's here's something that that Ken you you said to me a while back that um, you know that maybe we can talk about right is the issue of Gene Paul and compromise right and and sort of throughout history there have been like the Gene albums the Paul albums you know w- was was Gene compromising on this record
1: well <clears throat> you know we've also discussed about how when the makeup came off Gene lost his identity. I think within the frame of a pure dance pop rock record, I think he had to find himself again, and it took uh, unmasked for that to come around. Right. I mean, it's say, kind of like, okay, I've seen how it can be done. I understand now. Right. And you know, that's not, you know, G might hear this and go, "Well, that's a lot of crap." I, you know, <laughs> where right. are these guys coming up with this? But that's just a thought, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I prefer Unmasked as an album, and I prefer Gene's songs especially on that record. But, you know, we'll have to wait. I will anxiously await uh, 2010 for that one. But, um, yeah, X-Ray Eyes is a decent song. I like the little uh, sci-fi sound effects. And I think, I mean, one thing can be said is that Gene's voice sounds really crisp on this record. Yeah,
1: I love that scream that
0: he does. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's really good. Uh, Last track... Save your love. What do you guys think? I think
2: it's good. I think it's uh in my opinion it's subpar to Ace's two other contributions on this record. But that's, you know, like mm. saying it's a, a ruby and with two diamonds, you know, it's still a great song.
0: I think it's I think it's uh one of my favorite Ace solos. That that really long the solo, solo that he is takes. great. Yeah. What do you think of the song, Ken? I'm
1: not a big fan. Really? The the if I listen to the chorus long enough, I get a headache. Wow. And I don't know if that's the production or what. Really? I'm just being brutally honest. And listen, Ace Frehley's the reason I got into Kiss, so I'm, this is not any dig at him or anything at all. It's just, for some reason, there's something. The, the song's okay until it gets to the end, and I just kind of tune out.
0: I, I, I don't know, I i think that song in some ways you know know, i use this word loosely because i think it's an excellent record and i don't think kiss owe anyone any apologies for anything right but i think that that song redeems the album because you've got a lot going on on this record you've got a lot of kind of buying in to do so to speak right you've Mm -hmm. got these two gene songs that are like okay you know what's going on here you've got um you know the one peter Chris song and he's not on drums for the rest of the record you got paul doing a lot of stuff that you know it's great but it's not (laughs) like love gun or i stole your love and then you've got save your love which has these excellent harmonies these super crunchy guitars and and a like a no compromises guitar solo that takes just as long as it wants to exactly and 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 the and the fade out um you know, the repetition of, of the singing in Paul and, and Gene on the harmonies, I think it's just a killer track and the drums, what can you say? An- Anton rocks.
2: I think it's good. I think it's uh in my opinion, it's subpar to Ace's two other contributions on this record. But that's, you know, like saying it's a, a ruby in with two diamonds, you know, it's still a great song.
1: What about the cover?
2: Of the of the Dynasty album? Yeah. I think it's great. I think uh it's a, it's a good cover. It's not my favorite of the 70s covers. I think it's a great cover. I think the one thing that always sticks out to me that I can never figure out if I think is bad or if it's just awesome is that if you look at the album cover, the makeup, the green makeup on Peter's left eye or right eye, I'm sorry, is bigger than it is on his left eye.
1: Yeah, that is kind of strange.
2: Wait a
0: minute. <laughs> Hold on a second.
2: You've never noticed that before?
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on.
2: Okay, it has always stuck out to me like the biggest sore thumb in music history. Pete's
1: right eye. If you're looking at him, it's it's to the left, but his right eye. The makeup is really high; it goes above his eyebrow. The makeup on the left side of his face, but if you're looking at it, viewer right, is underneath. The green starts underneath the eyebrow. It's true. Wow, I never noticed that
2: it's funny that you never noticed that because that's always the one thing I notice about that album
0: you're, su- you're sure he's not doing like a little say what <laughs> 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 no 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 I actually should have said say
1: what because that cover took forever to put together and it cost an incredible amount of money and Francis Scavullo was the photographer and uh, Kiss was not happy with anything they saw and that's actually a composite picture, and it's hard to believe it took a lot of arguing <laughs> and many mock-ups. But uh, was it Dennis Dennis Woolick was responsible for the finished product.